Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to All Stats Out We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast a combined eye of going on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Martin Riley, the Paula Robinson on commentary of the podcast. You won't catch me coming that far off my line. And I'm joined by the Paul Robinson on commentary of the podcast, Tom Eamon Hossie Kundal. Why hasn't he been getting into the team more? And I'm joined by the Paul Robinson on commentary of the podcast, not a man you'd want in your pub quiz team, it's Dan Holdsworth. How are you doing today, Dan? That's outrageous. I'm fantastic in a pub quiz. I'll you know. <laughs> I'm pretty good, mate. Thank you. It's my it's my son's 12th birthday today, so I've had, a, I've had a car full of kids and I've taken them to Flamingo Land, so I'm knackered. So that's good pro- podcast prep, isn't it? Indeed. A jo- joyful time was had by all. I'm sure you're knackered. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely knackered, yeah, but we had fish and chips on the way home, so you know, I'm you know, I'm well fed and ready to go really. Even better. You're definitely more yeah. well fed than me. I've not eaten yet, but I've got a Max and Spencer pizza meal deal with some dirty fries to uh, get into after this, so um we'll probably get this done quickly and I'll, I'll be on my way. <laughs> How about you, Tom? Are you well fed? Yeah, um it's a national burrito day on the day of recording, so I made myself some chicken burritos, some peri peri chicken burritos with uh, some masala rice, just straight out of the pack quickly because been a long day i had uh i had the dog to walk and stuff before before we come in here but got easter i'm going to a couple of football matches this weekend and a couple of rugby matches it's going to be a nice little weekend of sport and i'm looking forward to getting into tuesday night Good stuff i'm glad to see you've got some stuff on the web before the weekend i'm probably doing a bunch of stuff with my kids as well this week we've been half term so i'll have a fun time as well um, but we're here to talk about Leeds United, not about everyone's plans, as good as they are. Uh, so we'll quickly get into it. We're here to talk about the um, game against Nottingham Forest that we had over the weekend. And not over the weekend, on Tuesday. <laughs> so Leeds set up in a 4-2-3-1 structure against Forest in a 4-3-3 shape. Uh, Leeds started off the game very well, having most of the possession and getting into good areas, but without creating any chances. However, it was Forrest who struck first, with Emmanuel Dennis camp- capitalising on a Luke Healy mistake. He quickly attacked the box and laid the ball off to Aurel Mangala to finish in the bottom right corner from just inside the box to make it 1-0 to Forrest. 
Leeds didn't let this affect them and continued in the same way, attacking Forest from both sides of the pitch and generally dominating possession, but once again not creating much in the way of clear chances. Then in the 19th minute, Mark Rocker took a shot from outside the box, which Kaylon Avas saved, but he let it spill out in front of him, with Jack Harrison reacting quickest and striking home from close range to make the scores level at 1-1. Leeds then generally dominated the rest of the half, um, with then all of Forest not really having it, didn't have another shot after they scored, actually. They continued to battle on and continued to attack down both flanks, and it was starting to look like their efforts will be for naught until Lewis Sinistera decided to change that in the 46th minute, picking up the ball on the left flank, dribbling into the box, fainting Nico Williams twice before striking into the bottom right corner, making the score 2-1 just on the stroke of half-time. The second half went generally the same as the first. Leeds generally dominated the ball, with Forrest only really threatening when they nicked the ball in transitional moments. Leeds generally defended their box well in these moments and didn't allow any good chances to fall to Forest. And the best chance of the second half fell to Patrick Bamford when the ball was hit long. Two Forest defenders made a bit of a mess of it and this left Bamford alone in the box and able to take a shot but unfortunately put it wide to the crowd's dismay. Leeds held on from some late Forest pressure in the final 10 minutes but the game fortunately ended 2-1 to Leeds. So, boys, anything I missed or saw differently? No, not really. No, I think that's a pretty good summary. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, so they, how did you enjoy the game? Did you like it? Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it. It was nice to see us have possession. Um, I think we'll get on to it a bit later. Forest weren't exactly the best team. Uh, they were a bit poor. And, yeah, it just looked like a team that were playing. We looked like a team that were playing a bit with a bit more confidence. Uh, which was which was yep, nice. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, so we'll get straight into the interrogation where we'll just have to ask some questions about what went on in the game. Um, first of all, I'm going to come to Tom again on this one. In two games so far under Gracia, we have dominated the possession charts with 61% possession against Southampton and now again 61% against Forest. However, the telling difference was against Southampton, we only created 0.9 XG and against Forest, we created 1.8 uh, per FB ref. My question is, is this differential down to Forest being worse than Southampton or were we attacking better? I think it's a multitude of things. Um, the Southampton game was Grazia's first game in charge, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And so he was kind of trying to eke out a few stuff from Marsh and I feel like that game was more, let's not lose. And within that game as well, you had the game state being nil-nil for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, against Forest, we he'd spoken about before the game that we were going to try and go out and go win. I think Forest came at us to try and go and win. Now, I do think there were things that we are now doing from that first game under him. So we built up out wide, we, we tried to overload in wide areas and then switch it to Harrison mainly, which is kind of where we got we got all our goals from doing something similar. All our goals, both our goals. Um, so we did that, Harrison came in, he laid it off to McKenney, who laid it off to Rocker, and then he was there to pounce on the rebound. Um, so, yeah, are we... It, Nottingham Forest were worse, but at the same time, we were worse probably six weeks ago, just due to it being that transitional moment between previous managers and yeah. the current manager. Um is it is the attacking better? It depend, I guess it's that beauty in the eye of the beholder, right? Marsh will tell you that he thinks that we're not attacking better, probably, or someone who likes that system. Um, but yeah, I think the differential's more down to probably game state as well. So Forrest took the lead really early on. That changed the way that they were going to play, maybe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that meant that we <clears throat> came forward as well. 
Yeah, oh, that's, that, those are all fair points. I think in my eyes, I think there was, were certain things which we were doing better against Forest. Um, I think we moved the ball better into into better areas. I think that was the main difference for me was just that we looked to get it to, to the players who were isolated quicker, especially moving from right to left to get Sinistera onto the ball because he was the one who was most dangerous uh, in the game, right? Um, so yeah, I think that was the main difference I'd say in the way we attacked, which was just to get it forward a bit quicker. Maybe against Southampton, we'd maybe pass it around a little bit more at the back, and didn't have the directness that we we had yesterday. Which I th- yesterday, no, two days ago. So yeah, I, I think that's that suited. Um, I, I know you didn't watch the Southampton game, Dan, so I won't um, ask for your thoughts on this one. But I'll move straight into the next question. Um, there was a lot of panicking when Tyler Adams was out injured even though, of course, it isn't ideal to have a first-team player injured um, for as long as he is with how little depth we have. Do you think we look better with Rockenny, or do you prefer McAdams? I prefer Rockenny, I think, for Grassi's system. Not not that I think McKenny. I think Rock is the best midfielder we've got, let's that, be straight there. And it's a case of which partner, I, for me, which partner I prefer with, with Rocker. I think for Grassi's system, I think McKenny's probably got more upside than Rocker. I think he's got a better passing range. He's better at the kind of switching the ball across which I think we're doing quite a lot of with Grassi now whereas I think Adams just tends to be like win it and play it simple sideways or play play a simple safe ball which is fine and there's nothing wrong with that and I think he did that fairly well in the early parts of Grassi but I think we saw more of the upside yesterday with with, with McKenney winning the ball quite well almost as well as Adams wins the ball but then he was able to you know wriggle out of trouble and, and, and play a good diagonal or play a, a nice ball down the uh, line to the winger so I just I think there's slightly more upside on, on McKenney so that, that's my preference, really. Okay, that's good. That's good stuff. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I think I'm more of on the Rockenny side. Um, yeah, I agree with Dan. I think Rocker's the best central midfielder we've got, um, especially on the ball. And yeah, we saw McKenny getting about yesterday, uh, Tuesday, and it's going to be all all day. This saying yesterday. Isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, we we saw him getting about a bit. A bit more Adams like in a sense, but I agree. I agree exactly with what you're saying there, Dan. He's got that. He, I wouldn't say he's got it, but he's got it in his locker more than what Adams has got to play those diagonal passes and uh, find find the players out wide. Uh, and he's got that ability to knock it past the player and just get past a line of defense. Uh, that front line mainly, he's really good at getting out of that pressure from usually the front line press. Of the opposition. I think he's, he's, he's quite a big boy, isn't he? And uh, you know he's, he's tall, but he's, he's got a big frame. And I think he uses it quite well, doesn't he? he can he'll, he'll, he'll kind of bundle his way through sometimes, but that's kind of quite handy, isn't it? So, you know, sometimes if the ball's pinged in, he's almost like he takes it like a target man sometimes, like a target man striker, doesn't he? In, in that kind of midfield area, and he can bring it out of the air quite well, I think, and then get out of trouble and then and then release it. So that's not necessarily something you get from Adams. Adams is more tenacious on the ground, isn't he? Yeah, I'd agree with, but I, I, I yeah. also am coming down on the um, Rock any rather than McAdams. <clears throat> not that I think Adams is poor, and in against certain opponents, he could well be a better choice to pop partner rocker or maybe even have all three of them playing when they're all, all available um so but i do think as a, for, as for a team like forest that was a bet, better partnership i think especially with mckenny able to dribble a bit, a bit more i think he's got a really good way of carrying the ball and especially i love some of his one-touch passes that he does it's almost really casual done the few which he did which were, were top notch which i really liked um, but yeah, but do you think maybe we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves with, with this, um, based on this one game where we did when they did look really good? 
Or do, or do you think it's okay to get ahead of ourselves in this, Dan? I think we are getting ahead of ourselves, but I also think it's okay. We're fans, man. You know, we're there to dream and have a good time and, and think about the next stage. So I kind of think we are getting ahead of ourselves, but I also think there are there are green shoots there with the performances, like Tom mentioned before, in you know, compared to the Southampton game, how we moved the ball. Um, so... I don't think we should get too excited and we should, you know, maybe just, you know, bear in mind that this Forest team were pretty poor. They weren't a great team. I thought we played fairly well, but not wonderful. But but that's what fans are supposed to do. Get excited if you want to. That's fine. No, that's, that's perfectly acceptable. What about you, Tom? Do you, do you feel the same? How, how, how do I phrase this of if they can perform like that against the teams around us and we perform like that against the teams around us, then it's absolutely fine for me. I'm absolutely buzzing because I think they will stand out against those eight teams around us. And I know that we've got and we've got three or four of them still to play, I think. So, like, yeah, I don't expect them to be that good against Liverpool in two weeks, for example. But do I expect them to be that good against Palace? I think that I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of hoping. Yeah, that that's are. fair. I think we'll see again if we can see another performance like um, we had. I'm going to say yesterday because we keep saying yesterday. So it, the game happened <laughs> yesterday. We're we're changing the day it happened now. Um, so yeah, the, if we can have the same performance against Palace on Sunday, then I would be very happy to say that we weren't getting ahead of ourselves and we were actually correct. And if we were wrong, we will say that. Well, we did mention that we may have been getting ahead of ourselves. So either way, we're right. Um, but now I want to move on to talk a little bit about Pascal Strauch. Um, Personally, of the opinion that he is a better partner for Robin Cock than Verber is, um, both for on-pitch reasons and for meme reasons. Uh, this isn't a slight against Verber, as he has been good. However, when we have Cock, Verber, and Ailey in the back line, we have three aggressive defenders who are reactive and ball-centered. But when you have Strauk in the mix, you have one defender who isn't as aggressive who helps us keep shape and stay compact so much more. Um, what are your thoughts on this? We'll go with Tom first. Um, yeah, I I agree, and I think I get what you're saying regarding there's no slight on Verba. Um, but yeah, having Stroke in there, I think he's such a different defender. So he doesn't... He won't come up, on, he won't come up big on recoveries, right? Because to make a recovery, you make a mistake first. So <laughs> that's kind of one of the things which I always used to kind of say about Pontus Janssen I think I've said it before in a podcast that that was something which adhered to the fans because a recovery tackle looks really good and it looks like a really good defender and I know that Verba's been coming up quite high in recoveries as well um, so I think like that there was that moment where Awani came through from that Shelby pass and Furpo's got a lot of praise for it but a lot of that was down to strike holding up the run as well it was both of them together they did really well together and I don't know if you get that from Verbe because I think Verbe probably tries to do what Cock tried to do with that pass, which is try and attack the ball and intercept it, and he missed it, and that's how that ball came through. So I think having the two, like he said there, is a really good foil for each other. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Good one, stuff. Yeah. What about you, Dan? Um, I've not always thought of Cock as a super aggressive defender. I think I, I kind of wonder if he's getting more aggressive as he, as he gets more comfortable as his time goes on at Leeds. You know, I always thought in... Since, since we come to the Premier League, I thought, you know, Lorente was aggressive. I always thought Cooper was a very front foot aggressive defender. I always thought Cock and Stroke were the more more passive defenders. But yeah, I absolutely, Cock is more aggressive than, than Stroke, that's, that's for sure. So, and, and I kind of basically agree with what Tom is saying. Um, I, I do like, I quite like Wober and, and I think I think Wobe's a pretty good defender, and I think he's quite a good. He's, he's a good defender in the kind of Liam Cooper mold, isn't he? He's quite like, aggressive. He's quite front foot. He wants to challenge and, and, and go and challenge the aerial balls. But I think, um, 
I don't think he's quite as tidy on the ball as Stryker either. So that's another uh, another area where perhaps Stryker has it over, over um, Wober. So generally speaking, I'm kind of broadly in agreement with you, but I'm not quite. I think Cock has got more of a reactive game than 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 a proactive game. Do you think the way we have looked to attack as the dominant side under Grazia is going to consistently create chances for us? By this, I mean the dominant side is going to be having more of the ball. Um, because despite having the majority of the ball, both our goals were helped out by variants. Um, first goal was a tap-in following a long shot, and the second was a frankly disgusting piece of individual brilliance. Do we need to give Forrest some credit for this, as they were defending their box well? Or were we just not moving as good as we should do in the box to make the most of the possession that we had? Um, I'll, I'll come to Dan first on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure on this one. It's early days. I think it's still early days on this point with Grassi. Um What we did against Forrest was I thought we created a decent volume of opportunity stroke chances without creating really big clear-cut chances. So I don't necessarily remember um, Navas making a ton of saves, but I thought we kind of we, we had like a lot of dangerous moments and good play. So I'm just wondering if there's if there's more more work to do in kind of getting the runners arriving at the right time and timing of the runs and that kind of stuff to convert those good opportunities into good high XG chances. So yeah, I think I think there's more work to do. I think we but it feels like we're making a step in the right direction. So against Forest, like like Tom said at the start, we had a lot of good wing play when we were getting kind of down the flanks and getting behind, you know, getting behind Forest's defence quite a bit, and it was kind of almost coming off. It was good good diagonal balls coming across to Harris and that kind of thing and it didn't quite come to a to a big chance but that that feels better than it did two three games ago so I wonder if there's more progression to come there's more you know we'll get more runs from Aronson you know more sharper runs from Aronson maybe a slight improvement from Bamford perhaps a fit Rodrigo helps in that respect you know making sharp runs near post runs or whatever you know so I wouldn't necessarily give it to credit to Forrest I would more give it as um, I think it's it's a work in progress on Leeds' front yeah that's that's good good stuff and how about you Tom yeah I, I agree I think like one of the chances that will come up as a shot is probably we had a throw in where Rocker made a late run he flicked it over the defender and he got the ball in the cutback and I'm going to assume that that's going to go down as a pass by Bamford where he scuffs it and it goes to Sinistera who wasn't far wide if he was a bit wider he probably puts it away right it's an open goal um, then there was a few chances where so even then when he's cut that back eventually he's probably taken one touch too much and Forrest have got players back and the shot isn't clean for Bamford so they're things which We'll work on, we can work on. Furpo's delivery probably wasn't the best on Tuesday. Um, he got a lot of, he got into good positions behind the defence and then most of his balls were straight at Navas that he played into the box. So we're getting those positions and then that final ball is just not quite there. So yeah, like I agree with what Dan's saying. I think it's a work in progress at the moment. Um, and I think we saw it a couple of weeks ago that we played, we worked, we did work the ball. We got a cut back, um, and I think we did score from it. Cause then, yeah, I think Harrison scored from it, and then Sonny Perkins scored from something very similar in the twenty threes, like the following day. And there was someone sitting. I think the tweets out where it's a direct copy. So I think that that must be kind of where we're looking at building chances. And yeah, it's just just a work in progress. I don't think much of it was down to Forest. I think. We exploited Forest in the areas that we tried to exploit them in. That's- okay, I'm happy with those answers. And um, for me personally, um, I, th- I think we, sh- we can give Forest some credit because I, I do think they did defend their box well at times. Um, 
they didn't defend the areas outside the box very well, but they did get a few numbers around the box, and I think they did do some some good things. But at the same time, um, we could have easily scored more if we would have executed our things better. So I think it is probably more on, on us than on them. But I think it's a fair point to, to bring up. And finally, in the last question of the interrogation, there was a lot of players who had good games, and I want you both to pick one player to talk about and what you liked most about their performance. And we'll go with um, Tom first. So yeah, I'm I'm gonna talk about the guy that I talk about just about every time I'm on, which is uh, Mark Rocker. Uh, I think this game, he's copped a lot of praise. He's got man of the match with the vote through the Legion United Twitter account. And I think it's fully deserved. But at the same time, a lot of the stuff that he was doing this week uh, on Tuesday is a lot of the stuff which I think we've been seeing and we've said the stats back this up. Um, But some of his passes that he did attempt and do on Tuesday, which were from a breakdown and then he played it first time. So there was the pass to Bamford where he, I think um, the defender Niakate held Bamford up and then got a block in just as Bamford was about to shoot about to shoot there was the one where the ref pulled up like we all that was like an incredible first time pass and his ability to make those sort of passes straight away as it's coming back to him not having to take a touch and then play a, a killer ball from deep was probably what made everyone kind of stand up and go oh he's having a good game he did do some really good stuff regarding um winning the ball back high up as well which was Fantastic to see. Um, but what I did find interesting is when I looked at the stats, he had a worse passing percentage completion this Tuesday than he did against Wolves. Um, and fans will probably tell us that that's not possible. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> it's there. But he's doing the exact same things. And I know that there's a bit more to discuss with one of the questions coming up. But I think the reason why it's starting to come to fruition under Grazia is because those passes that he was playing before under Marsh were into congested areas where defenders would then, and our own players, would be right on top. And so the play after he's made that pass isn't as successful. So it looks more like he's given the ball away and played the wrong pass, but that was the directed pass. That was the pass he was being instructed to do, in my opinion. And so now that we're playing with that little bit more width, the players that he's playing these passes into and through the lines have a bit more space and it helps when Joe Donahue's done um, a, a good article on the YEP showing a few, there's a few um, a few screen grabs in there. And the pass into Sinistera, there's one pass into Sinistera, and what's, Sinistera's then turned and then played the ball down the line successfully, and we've gone on to attack from it. And so when that happens, and you go, that start, and people notice that started from Rocker, that makes them stand up and see his performance. Yep, that's great. No, that's for, I'd agree with you that these are the sort of things which we've... I've been praising Rocker for for a while, and it's just taken this game for people to start to realise some some of what he does well. And I think I'm hoping that this continues and he does. But he'll only take one one game where maybe he mislays a few more passes, and they'll be back on his back again. So he's, he's in a can't win position, I think. But the people who can't rate him and think that he's good, so that's all that matters. Um, how about you, Dan? Who do you want to talk about? I mean, I, I agree that Rock was man of the match, but I think second man of the match, if, if there's such a thing, was probably Sinistera. Um, I mean, wonderful performance, really, really enjoyable performance. Um, great to see him back. Obviously, we're all concerned about Nonto being missing for a while because he's been a big, a big part of our creativity over the last last two months or so. But um, 
Yeah, I just thought he was so good. But one thing that really stood out to me before his goal, and I said this to my pal at the game, I said, he's so secure and on the ball and he just makes the right choice every time. I mean, obviously he doesn't make it right every time, but it feels like he makes the right choice every single time. So, um, you know, the ball can be played into him in traffic and somehow, even though he's not particularly you know, he's not particularly big, he's not powerful, he's not fast, I don't think, but he just has really tidy feet, doesn't he? Really technical feet, a lot of technical security. He's in his, in his, the way he shifts his body, he can play himself out of trouble. There was that one situation where I think he, you know, the ball was played out to him on the left, just inside, and he, and he kind of played his, his way around four players and pinged the ball out to Harrison. And, you know, we almost got generated a chance from that. And it was just, it's just superb technical, you know, like security and ball security. So, you know, we can ping the ball into him and he keeps it. I was looking at his um, passing stats. I saw, sorry, I saw a passing start that came around on nine today, and he was 87.5% pass accuracy, which seems high for an attacking player to me. And I looked, and it was way higher than Harrison's. And and I consider Harrison a fairly kind of secure player and someone who completes his passes. And uh, so I just I just really really like that element of his um, of his play that we can just is reliable. We can play into him and hold it up, and he'll make great decisions. And he'll dig the ball out. He'll make he'll make separation from the defenders without necessarily being quick, just with fast feet. And and then he'll make a smart call. He'll release Harrison or he'll he'll he'll, he'll release Furpo on down the line or whoever it is. So yeah, just 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 really good stuff. And then the goal. I mean, the goal was was lovely, wasn't it? The way he just sold uh, Williams a hot dog, well two hot dogs, and then just just a really really nice clean strike. You know, he's probably one of the better ball strikers we've got. I think, which is nice. You know, we're not necessarily. Um, got loads of great ball strikers in the squad but you know I think he's one of them so that, that's just a nice element so yeah long list in Estera yeah indeed um, I'd, I'd agree with what you said about his ball security um, he is quite secure for um, a, a attacking player um, his average pass completion this season has been um, 80% so that's well but close to 81% actually which is um, pretty high and uh, I think Jack Harrison's is much lower than that uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely but he's more secure. If you want to play a system which is more possession heavy, then he is the guy that that you'd want there because he generally does make the right decision. And just to touch on Jack Harrison, his pass completion is only sixty three percent for this season, so it's quite seventeen percent higher. I know yes. it's difficult we're just talking about stats here, but it's, you can just see it on, on the pitch yourself without even um, mm. n- n- noticing it and looking into the stats. So you don't need to see that to to know it. But yeah. Um, I mean, there's just one thing. I'm not. I don't want to dig Harrison out here, but I mean, I quite liked Harrison's performance on the right. Normally, I think of him as a left winger only. I don't. I've not particularly liked him. I thought this was probably one of his stronger games. But if you watch Sinistera play on the left, and and, and he's really, really, really good at shifting and making separation, so he can get a crossing with his right foot. I don't think Harrison's got that move down yet on the left, on the right. Sorry, so he can you know shift the player to the right and then come in field and hit a diagonal with his left foot. I don't think that he's got that yet. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Harrison did have a very good game. It's not often that that, that we see him um, on the right side, and I think that sort of move will come with more time playing there because throughout his time with us, he's pretty much always been a left winger. So it's it's going to take some, something for him to adapt to, to come inside more and use his foot in different ways to what he would do on the left side. Um, but, but me personally, I, I went. I want to talk about um, um, different player one who may not have got as much uh, lauding after yesterday's, yesterday's performance. Um, that's uh, Pascal Strauch. Um, I thought he had a phenomenal game. I just felt he was just so secure in everything that he did. Um, his pass completion was a ha- was the highest on the pitch. It was 93.7%, so he only misplaced four passes. His long passing stats, he completed seven out of eight long passes. 
and I don't even remember him making that many. So he was just been, he's just picking the the right secure option to keep us hold of the ball. Whereas I think um, Cock was more given the the job to make the harder choices. But even then, uh, Robin Cock had an eighty four percent accuracy and completed eight out of thirteen long passes. So, <laughs> but um, Strack himself, I just I just love the way he defends as well. He just he doesn't barrel into to the player who was coming towards. He takes some time and makes the right call and I just love that in the defender it's like I mentioned earlier that it's something we don't have in many of our defenders is one who will sit back a bit and wait for things to develop rather than moving things straight away and that's something which we need to try to get out of our players doing all the time I think that's something which uh, Luke Ayling did a lot in this game, was getting it in, into the player straight away and then they quickly turn him because he just doesn't have the pace to deal with that or they can just bypass him and play the ball into the space that he leaves behind. You wouldn't get that sort of thing with Strauch and I think that's what he, he was doing well for a long time this season when he was playing at left-back. He was a, wasn't doing the same sort of things which we saw on the other side. Now obviously we've got Ferper who's on a upward spiral at the moment and we hope that continues but if needs be we've got him who we can play at left back as well now we've seen that he is able to do it but yeah I'd want to give some love to the big sexy pirate because I love the guy okay so that's all of the interrogation done uh, we didn't have too many listener questions but I will touch on on a few that we had well we, ha- we had some quite a few listener questions but I think we touched on a lot of them in previous pods so I, d- I don't want to go over them again just listen to the other ones again they're still there give them a listen so first one from Montag on Twitter from memory I think we mainly rocker played some effective vertical passes through the middle is more width creating the space for that? Also, do you think Grazia is capable of establishing the defined style, or is he purely a game-to-game tactician? So we've already touched on Rocker a fair bit, so we'll m- mainly focus on the second part of, of this question. Um, we'll go to Tom first on this one. I think from what I've seen, and from we're recording for once after a press conference, um, and so he was asked regarding... So Grazia was asked today regarding the players' positions and playing with more width. They would seem, that seems to be pushed to him quite a bit. And he said that he spoke to all the players and asked them where they like to play, what is their preferred position, and then he's tried to work something out for that. Um, so I don't think he will establish a defined style. I think it is going to be game to game from him. Uh, I think we see that. I think that's him. I, I, I don't know if that's because he doesn't have a defined style of how he thinks football is played or he thinks that the best way to win a game is to keep an opponent guessing by changing your tactics every every game as well and kind of try and be that but it does seem that in my opinion that the only real game to game difference is how much are we going to attack how are we going to press and defend that they they seem to be the differences i think the way in which he's going to try and build up are going to be similar no, that's, anyway. that's, that's a fair point. Um, I do think that from what I saw his time at Watford, um, he didn't play with as much width as what we've seen. And that I think that is because we have more players who are, like you say, suitable to play in wide areas. And he's taken advantage of that. There will be certain things which I think he, he does like to do. I, th- I do think he likes to build up with a free at the back, so he'll, uh, he'll make sure he has one player dropping between the centre-backs, whether it's one of the midfielders dropping deep or whether it's Melier pushing a little bit further forward and getting involved with the build-up. It's one of those two things, which I think. And I think, there's t- I think there is time for him to 
put more of it a stamp on what he wants and if he was to be given the job long term we don't know what that's going to happen maybe we'll, we'll see more of a development in in the play style of his own then because at the moment he has to work with what he's got and if he feels that the best way is to do it game by game at the moment maybe that's that's why he's doing it um, but yeah, I think the part about Rocker, um, I do think that this, uh, especially in games like this where we do have more possession, the way Grazia looks to attack it is better, I think, for Rocker. And I think that is why he has been able to have more of an impact and look more impressive, maybe. I think he is a midfielder who does suit being in a possession-based style more than what we had under Marsh. What about you, Dan? Do you have anything to say on this? Just on the, on the Rocker front... Um... If you just think back to Marsh, it was Rocker was picking the ball up and he had four players in front of him mostly, but there were four players in in a, in a, in a small area where at the moment he's got four players in front of him: Aronson, centre forward, and wingers, and the wide. So, it's, I just think it's it's it's, it's going to be way easier for Rocker to play the you know a, a big more expansive pass because there's going to be someone in space. So it's just it's just purely a factor of that. So I think people are noticing in that, and and, and that's part of why people are seeing the, the upgrade in Rocker. I think. Um, it's not necessarily Rocker's passing better. I just think the system means that there are more options for Rocker, easier options for him. But on Grazia, um, I think he's um, he's a game-to-game tactician. It seems that way, doesn't he? If you look at his Watford team, like you say, it's you know they played like a narrow four-four-two, where we're kind of a you know a more expansive four-two-three-one stroke four-four-two. Um, I think he had players like Will Hughes as his kind of wide midfielders at, at, at Watford, where we've got genuine wingers. So he's obviously just looking at what his what his strengths and weaknesses are and, and, and adapting to to the players he's got so I'm reasonably sure Gratz is a, is a game-to-game tactician um, I don't necessarily see that changing yeah I, I don't think that's too much of a bad thing because there are other managers who have um, made decent careers out of being these kind of, kind of tacticians I think probably the close from the Premier League could be uh, Graham Potter he has certain things about his style which uh, say the same but he also did make adaptations to his game for different opponents it's one of the reasons why uh, he stumped Bielsa nearly every time he, he came against him because he didn't stick to one defined thing against every op- opponent and he kept people guessing, changed up his pressing structure one game, changed up his formation another game. So I, I don't think it's too bad of a thing to have a tactician. Um, but I think maybe moving forward, I would prefer one who was more of a system, uh, had, had a main system in mind that made small tweaks rather than I know that I say that's one of the things we hated about both Bielsa and about Marsh, but <laughs> I, I, it's hard to get across what we want, and I, hopefully that we'll see what, what happens with that in the future. And the next question we had was actually about um, Rocker and Grazia again, so that, that was from Jamie in Discord, so I hope we have answered that for you, Jamie, already. So we'll move on to the Crystal Palace preview. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So yes, first of all, how do Palace play under Roy Hodgson, Dan? So uh, they've only had one game, but I watched the the game against Leicester last week, which they won 2-1. And I think they were fairly good, actually. Um, I think deserved the win 2-1 possibly by more so the way they set up was a 4-3-3 which was fairly similar to the way um, Vieira set them up so is it Gator in goal Mitchell the left back Guayhi Anderson Ward the back four I think that's a fairly steady back four they've used the number six Decore um, and then he was flanked by Schlupp and Eze is the kind of uh, number eight um, uh, Jeffrey Schlupp tended to kind of play towards the left Eze tended to play towards the right and then they had the front three which started which was Zaha, Edward and Elise so that's the kind of the, the way they play So, and what they did was on the ball um, they were quite direct I found Palace so what they were doing is they were fairly happy to play through the ball through Decore or as a kind of filter to play the ball out wide or they would play the ball out to the, the, uh, the, the wing backs and they would pump it, not pump it forward, but they would play it forward fairly directly, fairly quickly, try and, comp- try and get combinations with, you know, Ward would get combinations with Elise and Eze on the right-hand side, and um, Mitchell on the left-hand side would get combinations with uh, Schlupp and Zaha, or, uh, and, and they kind of generated a lot of kind of progression and chances from out wide. In the game itself, they generated, I think it was 2.3 XG, which is a fairly a hefty total and the, the limited Leicester to quite a low amount, 0.2 I think. So, you know, it was a fairly dominant performance. But the 2.3 XG came from 31 shots, nine on target, and they only had one big chance out of that 2.4. So it was just a really, really high volume, a lot of low, low probability chances they were taking. So they were kind of, it was a really busy performance. You know, they were quite direct. They had quite a good counter press. So sometimes they played forward quickly and it would break down, and they were quite good at counter pressing Leicester and you know and generating a second chance really quickly. In in some respects, it was fairly at a fairly fairly similar tone to the Leeds victory over Forest. And, I mean, same score line, same kind of domination. Quite busy without tons of really high quality chances, but fairly impressive. Not wow, but fairly impressive. Um, Eze had a good game, and I think Eze's had a bit of a mixed season. But I thought I thought Eze had a good game. He sometimes carried the ball centrally, even though most of the the attacking play came on the wings. I thought Eze was he carried it centrally and gave them that threat. That was that was quite useful. And just the only thing I, I felt was after half time, Leicester came out and pressed them quite hard for about ten minutes, and they really really struggled. And Leicester got the noses in front off that ten minute spell. But for whatever reason, Leicester couldn't maintain it. I mean, Leicester were poor apart from that ten minute spell. Um, Leicester couldn't maintain it. So I do wonder if perhaps it's something Leeds could do if we can have you know maybe some some pressure. You know, we could press Palace into into errors. There's some we, we could we could hurt them there. In terms of off the ball, um, they were mostly a mid box Palace. Occasionally Schlupp would push into the front front line to make a front four to press Leicester and, and Eze would drop in with Decore to make a double pivot so it was like a 4-4-2 four, 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 press occasionally when it got aggressive into a 4-2-4 kind of press but um, mostly mid-block with just the occasional situational press but they were pretty secure I found you know they were, they were, they were, they were fairly good at kind of you know keeping Leicester at arm's length like I said Leicester only generated 0.2 so yeah, it was a pretty solid performance. So in terms of what how they're going to come at Leeds, my guess is they're going to come and play a fairly similar game, just slightly less aggressive. You know, they'll play, they'll play duck to play down the flanks. They'll maybe take a step off and uh, and let Leeds control the ball more than Leicester did, perhaps. But yeah, that, that's how I'd see the game playing. Okay, that's great. That's a very good. Um 
description of how they play and what it's worth. I, I saw similar things to what you said there. I don't really think I could say anything different to what you said to add to what you have. I watched uh, two, um, most of two games, watched the most of the uh, Leicester game they played, and also the first half um, against Aston Villa, which was an away match. I just wanted to see. I know it doesn't really bear much impact because that was under um, Patrick Vieira and not under Roy. So maybe different but under with uh, Vieira they were a little bit actually more pressy I saw in the game just um it's more of a 4-4-2 pressing structure rather than mm. um a, a 4-2-3-1 structure which I saw in under Roy so I think that was one of the differences I saw also they had a double pivot rather than a single most of the time um which but to be fair I think we could also see um Hodgson do that since this is going to be away as well, so we could see some quite big big differences based on that one game. And I, th- I agree, I think we would be able to maybe get some joy in pressing them. I think especially the, the Curry, he doesn't seem to be a massively press-resistant player, and he's a player who they do use a fair bit for progression, like you mentioned. So I do think that he's a player who we, we could target. Um, but we'll m- move on to, to how you think that they will approach this game I'll come to you Tom do you have anything to say on this yeah I think um, Dan kind of covered it of just you know they, they're they probably going to try and set up in a mid block and press us at certain points I probably expect them to try and press Ailing if he plays um, especially with the way that he performed on Tuesday on the ball gave the ball away quite a, quite a few times um, so yeah that's I, I, I only ever remember that there was something that Neville said a few years ago, and that was that combinations are big for Hodgson. So uh, he, I remember, I can't, he was doing a game, and they played played a ball around the corner in a combination. He just said, "This is all Hodgson bangs on about in England training." So I'm imagining that we're going to probably see a lot of that. And the idea is that you know Hodgson's got a relationship with some of the players that haven't been playing well this year. So as we said, Eze uh, hasn't had the best season, but apparently. Hodgson and him get on really well. They kind of it's like like his love child sort of thing. So um, yeah, we're probably going to see a performance from Eze. I feel because he also always has a performance against yeah, us. He does. He definitely does. He gives me nightmares, and we just need to try to avoid giving them any free kicks um, because he can certainly hit them. Um, so, do you think they will see any any differences with our lineup, Dan? What do you think our lineup will look like? Um, well, I think the. Did Garcia say today? I missed the press conference. I was busy, but um, that he's got the same squad available. Yeah, yeah, he did. So I think um, I don't expect him to change too much. I guess it's just you know any sort of bodies. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be surprised if he changed anything really. The only concern, I guess, is players like Sinister and Bamford who who have had injuries recently. So there's potential for a swap there. But I guess in terms of you know maybe Rodrigo starting instead of Bamford or perhaps Somerville starting instead of Sinister. But they're fairly like for like in terms of how we would play the game. Um, I guess so. No, I don't. I don't expect massive changes. I guess there's a question mark about Ailing and Christensen, but I don't think that'll change Palace. I think those, you know, if Christensen plays, they'll probably try and press him anyway because I guess they'll know he's he's not the most secure on the ball either. So I don't necessarily think that's what would change anything there either. So, so no, I, th- I think Leeds will approach the game fairly similarly to um, Tuesday night, not yesterday. <laughs> so and. I think Leeds will probably try and build up on the flanks. They'll probably try and hit Palace with diagonal balls. You know, I think Palace play a fairly similar shape to to to, to Forest, not quite as narrow as Forest. So, but I think Leeds will try and you know like try and draw Forest in and uh, Forest in, try and draw Palace in and hit switches. 
So I think you might see a bit of that. So yeah, I think the game plan will probably be fairly similar. Uh, I don't think Grassley's got a ton of time to change it up anyway. So no, that's fair. I, th- I do think that the um, game plan will probably be very similar to what uh, we did um, last night. Um, I think I think that maybe there could be some personnel changes. Um, the one that I would probably lean towards is um, Somerville and Bamford coming out um, because. Somerville played a fair amount of minutes and Bamford nearly played the whole game. I think he came off in like the 88th minute. So that's the most game time that he's played for a while. So I'd imagine he might, may want to give him a rest to try to avoid any recurrence of injuries. And I'm sure Rodrigo is eager to get back into the start, starting lineup. And so I think that will, will, will change because I think we'll see Rodrigo starting over Bamford and probably Somerville starting over Sinistera, which. It's perfectly fine. Um, Somerville has been playing really well recently as well, so I'd, I'd be perfectly happy with that. And there's also an outside chance we see Butter. I do want him to get his start at some point soon. I'm eager to see the lad play more, especially from the start. Um, what do you think? Any, any to add to that, Tom? Um, yeah, no, I agree with everything that was said there. I think I watched um, the first half of Grazia versus Hodgson Watford versus Palace from 2018, I think it was, 2019 season. And basically I saw the exact same sort of build-up patterns that we were doing on Tuesday. So I agree that that's probably what we're going to look to do. I think the only difference will be is that it felt a lot like we were finding Harrison in the first half, um, at least against Toffolo, thinking that he's got the better of Toffolo for that game on Tuesday. I think we might see the opposite. I think we'll see us try and target to isolate whichever wing is up against Joel Ward. Um... I think that's probably where they're weakest on their full-backs rather than Tyreek Mitchell. Um, but yeah, everything that I saw, it, I found it really interesting because I watched it just, I watched that first half just before uh, the game on Tuesday and it was kind of basically I was watching the exact same patterns that I was seeing was building up out wide, full-backs trying to get forward and get cutbacks in. Um, yeah, so I, I think we'll probably see something very similar to what we saw on Tuesday. No, nope, that's fair. And where do you think that we can hurt them, Dan? Well, yeah, Joel Ward's gash, basically. So, yeah, we can absolutely get it, Joel Ward. Um, so, yeah, I really think we should we should try and like maybe get some fast switches up against, um, try and get him isolated with, with whoever's on the left, whether it be Sinistera or maybe Nonto or Somerville. I think they'd all have joy there. Um, isn't so and, and on our left, they're right. So I absolutely think we should we should try and um, isolate him and you know and play some quick switches. So that would be good. And, yeah, I think just pressing Decore... And Schlupp as well. I think Schlupp's not the most most technically secure player either. So we could press those two guys. We could probably get some fairly good turnovers and, and, and kind of get transitional moments from kind of midfield areas. So that's the that's how I think we should hurt them. And, you know, or we could hurt them. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it is going to be quite similar to the way we would look to, we look to hurt Forest in that we'll try to quickly switch from one side to the other and try to get them isolated in the same way and try to get whoever it is on that left running at Joel Ward directly and hopefully watching him panic. Um, but I think we've... The next to go, but so how this game will play out, I think we've probably covered that mainly. But I, th- I think I'll touch on this briefly. I think the, um, we'll probably end up having more possession, I think. Um, maybe not as much as what we did against um, Forest, but I think we will have more. And maybe it'd be like 55 45 split, so we'll probably have more possession than they did. Um, and it'll but they will have times where they will possess the ball as well because um, I think they are better on the ball than what what Forest were, at least in the game that I saw anyway. So I do, I do think that we'll, both teams will have periods where they are keeping hold of the ball, and both teams will also be looking to hit on transition. So 
both teams will probably have pretty similar game plans. Um, I don't see much major differences in style between uh, Grazia and Hudson, honestly, at least with what we've seen recently in against teams of around our level where we currently are. And regarding where this game will be won or lost, and uh, last week, last time you had a pretty good assessment of where it be won and lost against Forest, Tom. So where will this game be won or lost? Where will this game be won or lost? I think it, yeah, like I said, because it's going to be two teams that are going to be playing similar. So it is going to be whichever team, and this is going to sound stupid, executes that game, that game plan best in that sense. Um, obviously, Palace don't have Zaha, which is big. I think that could affect their transition game. Um, so part of me at first was thinking that this is going to be an end-to-end game, so it is going to be who takes the chances in that sense, uh, which it is probably also going to be because it is just... I think it's going to be one of those where you've said they don't. They, both of us in the past games have created lots of chances, but haven't exactly been high volume. So that suggests that what we need is going to be who takes those chances that are created by both teams in that no, sense. That's, uh, I'd agree with that. Do you have anything to add on, on that, Dan? Yeah. So on the Zaha point, when, when I was watching them, one thing I noticed was they had um, a big diagonal switch, particularly from Anderson, who's quite a good long passer from the, the, the right centre back. Big diagonal switch over to to Zaha, who would then try and be isolated up against the opposition right back. Now they lose that. Now they're probably going to well in the Leicester game they brought Ayu on and and they actually played okay and he set the goal up the actual winning goal. So it, it worked out fairly well. But I do wonder about how if that if they lose that kind of out ball that big diagonal out ball from Anderson to to their left winger um, with Ayu playing. So yeah, I think their bigger threat probably is going to be the good combination play you see between Eze and Elise, or the good combination play I saw between Eze and Elise on on the other, um, last last week. Um, so I kind of do worry, not worry, but I do wonder if they'll try and draw us across to our right hand side and then switch and try and get the combinations going in space on the other side. So I wonder if that's how they will hurt us rather than, you know, had Zaha been fit, they might have tried to do the the you know, the big switch to the left. I think they might try and do it the other way around, or there's a, there's a chance they might try and do it the other way around with Elise and Eze being the stronger attacking force or the stronger attacking side um, with, with Zaha being missing. So that, I wonder if that's how they'll get to us and how they'll hurt us. Um, in terms of how we hurt them, like I say, I think it's going to be quite similar. I think we're going to going to hit their right back and try and, and turn it over. So it's going to be, yeah, who, who executes the, the big switch best. Yeah, that's, uh, that's all fair. And I'd agree with that too. It's... This country so similar to the game against Forest, I think, and it'll be won or lost in the same areas. Whoever's wide players do what they need to do the best, and if whoever we've got on the left flank, be it Sinistera, be it Somerville, be it Nonto, if he's fit enough, um, I think that's what that's where it's going to be won. Um, but we'll soon see. Um, so we, that is us done for the preview, and we'll be back next week when we will be reviewing this game and also previewing the Liverpool game after that. But until then, enjoy the game and have a great week. Bye! Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.